how come every week I stand up here and I apologize? I, I, is that weird? Well, um, welcome uh, over in the, in the venue. I was over there at the very beginning, and man, I'll tell you what the music does. It just rocks over there, and I'm glad you're with us. If you ever get here a little bit late, and this place is filled up, and you're looking for some seats, um, sometimes there's seats available over there, but it is often full too. And uh, so the 8.45 hour from here on out, we will have over in the venue a contemporary band and uh, you might want to come check it out. Hey, listen, before I get into our, our message, um, and I don't want to be a braggart or anything like that, <laughs> but last weekend, you know, we had this, I don't know, this thing that happens in, in our country, a little thing called the Super Bowl. This weekend, though, is the big thing. Unbelievable what took place yesterday. Our uh, Awana's uh, ministry on Wednesday nights uh, is involved uh, in a big Awana Games Olympiad, and it takes place once a year, and it was over in uh, uh, Brentwood, I think, and, uh, and so my son was involved in it. So all these Awana groups from all over the region come for this big Awana's competition. And um, that's right, Big Valley Grace took home the gold. We won first place. Um, there's my son right there. Uh, and uh, the Sparks, here's their um, Lombardi trophy that they brought home here to Big Valley Grace. Uh, our TNT girls and TNT boys took second place. Look. <laughs> Someone once said that, you know, winning, you know, isn't everything, it's the only thing. And I agree with that. Um, no, I, that's, uh, that's a lot of emails, I know. Uh, but I, 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 I don't know whether that's true or not, but I do know this, winning's a whole lot funner. <laughs> and so next year I've told uh, Sue Curlin, who oversees our Awanas program, that I expect um, first places in all of our divisions. And we're starting uh, practice next weekend. <laughs> 365 days, I figure we got it, we got it uh, handled. If you've never been a part of our Awanas program, here on Wednesday nights, it's, it's fantastic. It, literally, uh, my son's life is being changed and transformed because of the leaders that are in there and how they teach them about Jesus Christ and the fun uh, that they have. Good, clean, wholesome, God-honoring uh, fun Wednesday nights. Um, well, you can take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 24. And uh, we're in a series here at Big Valley Grace entitled Devoted, where we've been exploring what God's Word has to say about marriage. And the wonderful thing is, is that God has a lot to say on lots of topics, but wow, does He have a lot to say about marriage. And we literally here at Big Valley Grace, if you're visiting with us, have seen God do some incredible miracles here at this church over the last five weeks. And and that's the only way that, that I can describe them, is that God is doing miracles here in the lives of some individuals and marriages, and it's really um, fantastic to see. Now, today we're, we're going to gather some wisdom, and we all need wisdom. Some of you need, you know, more wisdom than others right now. Listen to these words in Proverbs 24. If you have a Bible, you can see it there in the Bible. It's in your notes. It'll be on the Jumbotrons, also over in the venue. 
The Bible says it takes wisdom to have a good family. And that's true. And it takes understanding to make it strong. It takes knowledge to fill a home with rare and beautiful treasures. Wise people have great power, and those with knowledge have great strength. So you need advice when you go to war. You need advice to have a good family. You need, you need wisdom to have a, a great marriage. If you have lots of good advice, you'll win. Not just in war. But you have good advice, you, you, you'll win in your family, you'll win in your marriage, whatever it might be. Beloved, God wants you to be wise about your marriage. He wants you to have an understanding of how your marriage operates because the better you understand your marriage, the better the chances are your marriage is going to last and be all that you want it to be. And all that God wants it to be. When you came together... When that moment came and your bride walked down the aisle, guys, or ladies, when you were coming down the aisle and you locked eyes on your man, and you stood there before witnesses and before God Almighty and you made vows to one another, you had hopes and dreams, you had goals, you had a, a thought as to what was going to happen. God had hopes and dreams for you. And the better you understand some things, the, the more wisdom that you have about life, marriage, what God has to say, I want you to know something. Your marriage can be all that you dreamed of and all that God wants it to be. You see, a, a lot of marriages fall apart you know, simply due to ignorance. People are unaware of the dynamics that are taking place within the relationship. I, I've had people say to me, Pastor Rick, what happened? I have no idea... What went wrong? One minute, man, we were happy and in love and, and something took place. Our, our marriage, our family just kind of fell apart. We used to love each other deeply. Now we can't stand each other. And some of you remember that. You remember, man, getting married and the hopes and the dreams and, and something happened along the way. It didn't happen overnight. But something happened. Some of you are there now. You got married and, man, you're pumped and excited and, wow, it was unbelievable. And now you're sitting here and maybe your spouse isn't even sitting next to you. Maybe they didn't even want to come. They're, they're just, it's just kind of over. It seems like it's over anyway. Well, today we're going to gain a, a, a little wisdom, okay, some understanding. We're going to talk about the, the three common stages of, of, of marriage. And as I walk through <clears throat> these stages, I, I want you to think about your own marriage. I want you to think about where you're at right now. Now, you can move around, you can slide around in these three areas. But I want you to think about right now. Where, where, would you, where would you be, okay? Stage one is the uh, everything is fantastic stage. This is the honeymoon stage. Woo! Solomon wrote about this stage in the Song of Solomon, or the Song of Songs. In chapter two, it says this, like a lily among thistles is my darling among young women. 
Like the finest apple tree in the orchard is my lover among young men. I sit in his delightful shade and taste his delicious fruit. He escorts me to the banquet hall. It's obvious how much he loves me. Strengthen me with raisin cakes. Refresh me with apples, for I am weak with love. His left arm is under my head, and his right arm embraces me. Promise me, O women of Jerusalem, by the gazelles and wild deer, not to awaken love until the time is right. Ah, I hear my lover coming. He is leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. My lover is like a swift gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he is behind the wall, looking through the window, peering into the room. My lover said to me, rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. Is that unbelievable or what? <laughs> Woo! <sighs> I gotta... Oh, man. Remember that? Remember that stage? Some of you are in that stage. Well, it gets even better. Look at chapter four. Oh man, buckle your seatbelts. Some of you aren't gonna believe this is in the Bible. You are beautiful, my darling, beautiful beyond words. Your eyes are like doves behind your veil. Your hair falls in waves like a flock of goats winding down the slopes of Gilead. <laughs> Look, guys, don't write that. I, uh, don't get the Hallmark blank card and put that. That really meant something kind of back then. Your teeth are as white as sheep, recently shorn and freshly washed. Your smile is flawless, each tooth matched with its twin. <laughs> she has a whole set. See, <laughs> Unlike a Willie Nelson concert where you just, it's hard to find a whole set of teeth in a... In a, in a, in a <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I, I don't, I've never been to a Willie Nelson concert. I just imagine what a Willie Nelson concert might be like. I, I don't know. <laughs> wow, your lips are like scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is inviting. Your cheeks are like rosy pomegranates behind your veil. Your neck is as beautiful as the Tower of David, jeweled with the shields of a thousand heroes. Your breasts are like two fawns, twin fawns of a gazelle grazing among the lilies. I'm not even gonna to try to unpack that, okay? <laughs> We're just gonna let the Holy Spirit just do whatever the Holy Spirit does right there. Before the dawn breezes blow and the night shadows flee, I will hurry to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of frankincense. You are altogether beautiful, my darling. Beautiful in every way. Wow. That describes the first stage of marriage. Everything is fantastic. Unbelievable what's happening right now. Everything is thrilling. Now let me share with you two thoughts that really describe this first stage of marriage. Okay, thought one. There's great intensity in your relationship at this stage. 
Okay, you're, you're spellbound by your love for each other. And I know that some of you are, are there right now. I know it. And praise the Lord for, for that. Some of you right now might be looking back and you're going, man, I remember that stage. I remember that. There's an intensity that's, that's really unbelievable and, and almost undescribable at, at, at this stage. You're, you're really spellbound. You're totally absorbed in the other person. People in this first stage of marriage are, are totally engrossed with each other. They, they've got a crush on each other. The, the gal in the Song of Songs says, I'm faint in love. And Solomon says, there's no flaw in you. Remember that? Everyone used to think that way. <laughs> Some of you are there right now, and it's beautiful. Last night at the uh, uh, Welcome uh, Center, g- people were walking by, and they were going, I'm in number one, one. <laughs> they were all letting me know. <laughs> Thank the Lord no one walked by and went, okay, I'll get, I'll, I'll, I'll get there in a minute. Um, <laughs> in this first stage of marriage, you have the tendency to put your partner up on a, on a pedestal don't you? I mean, in your mind, they're absolutely perfect. There's a a total disregard of differences, a total disregard for faults. There's a lot of giving in and giving up. Hey, whatever you want, sweetheart. No, 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 no. Whatever you want is all that matters. All I care about is you and your needs. In this first stage, guys, your wife never even knows what a door handle is. Man, you're right over there opening the door for them into the house or whatever it might be. You've always got the car door for them, right? Something happens, and then the next thing you know, you're driving out of your driveway, and she's dragging behind you because, <laughs> oh, sorry, and, you know, and she's all skinned up because something changes, you know. But in this first stage, wow, unbelievable what's happening. Ladies, you can't stay in sports, but you go to the game with your husband anyway because you just want to be with him. Right? You're high in love. Ladies, you know, uh, I, I, was, I was thinking about this. Us guys in that first stage, we can't necessarily stand shopping, but we'll go with you. Because we're in love. We're high in love. We'll shop. Man, I, my wife was sitting right down here. I remember, wow. Man, I'd go to the mall. I'd go to Macy's. and Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd try it all on. Try the whole rack on. Oh, try, bring another rack over here. Oh, it's unbelievable. Keep trying stuff on. This is exciting. I just, <laughs> now it's like, where are you going? Uh, are you going shopping? Oh, uh, oh, I pulled a hammy. I, 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 can't, I, I can't make it. I don't know what happened. Just hearing the word shopping, I, I pull a muscle. It's unbelievable. But I used to love to watch her try stuff on and come out, and I'd go, wow, that's unbelievable. Nah. <laughs> yeah, oh, that, that's the one. Nah, you know, this, you know the thing, guys. It just goes on. And then after two hours, they don't buy anything. <laughs> I, I just blew two hours. You're buying something. You are buying something. I don't care what it is. So I, I'm, just, I'm not going to blow two hours here, and you didn't buy anything. Solomon, throughout this <laughs> entire book here, Song of Solomon, is, is writing this this way. But there's another word or thought that describes this stage. Thought, too, is there's great ignorance in your relationship at this stage. 
You're, you're blinded by your love to each other towards their hum, humanity. There's, you're, you're just ignorant. You're, you're literally blinded to their humanity, to the fact that they have a sinful nature, an Adamic nature. Beloved, the fact is you really don't know your spouse as well as you think you do in this first stage. You're in love with an ideal of them. You, you don't really know what they're like, and you don't really know what you're in for. Now, I think we got the best premarital counseling on the planet here at Big Valley Grace. I, I, I really do. But even with all of that, you've got two people who are in love. And you can talk all day long about stuff, but they're in love. And they're going to say whatever it is they got to say. They're going to write whatever it is they got to write. And most of the time, they're not even hearing much of what you're saying. It's like putting a, a second grader right in front of Disneyland, you know? And they can hear the music, and they're looking at Disneyland, and you're a teacher, and you're going to step up and try to teach them uh, what 2 plus 2 is. Uh-huh. They're, they're going to say whatever they got to say. They're going to do whatever they got to do, because they just want to get into Disneyland. That's all they want. And at this first stage, you're so in love, and I think there's value to premarital counseling because we're prepping them for the second stage that's going to come. But at this first stage, wow, it just doesn't, doesn't register. I had to write a paper when I was in, uh, at the junior college, and the paper that I wrote was how I would change premarital counseling if I, if I could, and that is this. I, I'd probably just get rid of it. And then what I would say to a couple is, listen, you give me $100 or, or $500, bucks, i will put it in the bank, and you'll draw interest on it. And then you go get married, you say, I do, and then about two or three months after that, then you come in for eight or ten weeks of postmarital counseling. And the hook that gets them back in is, I'll give you your money back. I'll give you that $500 bill back. Because if I don't have the money, they won't make it in. And you know when the next time I see them is? They're divorcing. We always get them before they get married, and then when it's too late. That's kind of how it works. Because in this first stage of marriage, everything is just unbelievable. Everything's blissful. You, you, you don't see the differences. You don't really see the faults. And we work hard to try to help people understand those things. But the reality is, wow, there is just something about this first stage. You're spellbound, and yet you're, 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 you're blinded. You tend to overlook each other's faults. You, you tend to sweep under the carpet any major conflicts that you have in this first stage. And you need to understand that, that this first stage can't last. It can't. Sooner or later, you start to figure out that you and your spouse have some differences. Though we've talked about them in the premarital classes, all of a sudden... There comes a moment, and it's different for everybody when that moment comes, when you start going, whoa, whoa. Sooner or later, you start to see some of the faults that your spouse has. You begin to, to, to see the, the different temperaments that you have. You begin to see the influence of your in-laws. You couldn't see that when you were dating and engaged and got married. 
you start to realize that there's more to life than just having fun. You got to pay bills, right? You got to wash dishes. You got to clean the apartment. You got to work late some nights. You got to help your spouse when, when they've got the flu and they're hanging their head over the toilet, you know, throwing up. Didn't see any of that when you were dating. Didn't see any of that when you were, you know, engaged. And now all of a sudden, dude, we got we to pay some bills here. We got to do some things. We got to clean the carpet. We got to, oh man, you're sick. Oh boy, I, I, I'd never heard a sound like that here. What? What do I do? Mom! You know, but you're stuck. Mom ain't around. It's just the two of you. Beloved, there's nothing wrong with this first stage. It's a beautiful stage. And I pray you stay in that stage as long as you can. But I want you to know it, 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 it won't last forever. There comes a moment when, you, when it ends and you get to stage two. And stage two is the, I didn't sign up for this stage. <laughs> Party's over. I would say the majority of you in this room and over in the venue, this is where you're at. You're in stage two. Listen to what the same guy who wrote Song of Songs, listen to what he's saying now in Proverbs 27. He says, a nagging wife is like water going drip, 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 drip on a rainy day. How can you keep her quiet? Have you ever tried to stop the wind or ever tried to hold a handful of oil? That's the same guy who a minute ago was talking about gazelles and oh man, whoa. Where'd that go? <laughs> you need to realize that, that there's going to come a moment when things are going to change. And that doesn't mean they're evil or wicked. It's just that things are going to change. It's going to happen. The song of songs, he says, man, you're, you're perfect. You're flawless. There's nothing wrong with you. It's great. I'm in love. It's fantastic. Then something changes. And it doesn't change overnight. But something begins to change. Solomon's delight turned to disillusionment. His dating turned to debating. His romance turned to resentment. The, the ideal turns into an ordeal. The thrill turns into tension. Now let me give you four words that I think describe this second stage of marriage, okay? There are others. I'm just going to give you four. Uh, word number one, dullness. Your relationship begins to experience routine. Boredom sets in. You become complacent. You lose interest. You see, when you were dating, you always made sure that, wow, you looked good. You always made sure you smelled good. You always made sure that when you were out on the date, you know, you know, nothing was hanging off your lips or the pinky finger was always out and wow, and woo! And then all of a sudden, you know, Stuff's hanging off your beard, your mustache. You're belching in front of each other. You never do that when you're dating. Never. Man, you always look great. One of the things that shocked my wife was when she saw my 
my PJs. <laughs> Man, my PJs, I had those things for like 22 years, okay? They were just getting broken. I had holes right where they're supposed to be. Broke in, I mean, just broke in, they just fit me, woo. We hadn't been married a week and they just disappeared. <laughs> we're, hey, uh, honey, I, I got these stiff things here. Well, yeah, I got you new ones. <laughs> What'd you just say? <laughs> Do you know it took me 22 years to get those things just where they are? I haven't washed them in 22 years. That's, that's, that's the only way you get J's like that. Unbelievable. And your hair's combed. Now you just kind of let things out. You just, whatever. Some of you are, 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 are thinking. The attitude before you got marriage is anything you want, darling. Now it's, you know, get it yourself. Word number two. <laughs> disagreements. Your relationship begins to experience strife and, and some disharmony. You begin to clash over differences. You begin to argue over decisions that need to be made. Things that you never argued about before. You disagree on how to handle certain things, and usually it's money. Because when you're first married, you're usually on the lower end of the wage scale, and man, you got your apartment, and you're having a great time, and you were spending money. Now it's like, whoa, 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 MID, PG, and you don't forget, yeah, ooh, what about our, and, and you know, how you were raised starts to play into this thing. How they were raised starts playing into it. And now you get, you're not agreeing on how the shekels ought to be spent. Begin to experience some conflict, which, which tends to always lead to the third word, the third D, which is defensiveness. Your relationship begins to experience a, a communication breakdown, you see. You're not as open as you once were. The dullness which brought on disagreements and stuff, and, and now you're disagreeing, and so you, you don't, you don't want to be as open. You don't want your faults used against you, so you start protecting yourself. You don't let your guard down like you used to. You're not as open and vulnerable as you used to be. There, there really is a, a communication breakdown. Word number four, your relationship becomes a, a disappointment. Your relationship begins to experience doubt. You begin to become disillusioned. You begin to think, man, I feel cheated. I got into this marriage and now I want out. I, I have these secret feelings of regret and, and now I'm trapped. I don't know how I got into this mess. How do I get out of it? Then the doubts come. Did I do the right thing? Did I marry the right person? Did I make a mistake? Was I not listening to God? Man, I should have listened to my mother. You see? It started off unbelievable. And then something began to change. Got a little dull, disagreements, started getting defensive, and now it's, it's, it's worked its way to a disappointment. And I want you to listen to me very carefully. These four Ds, dullness, disagreement, defensiveness, and disappointment set you up for the two big Ds. And that's divorce or depression. When you're in stage two, wow, and things begin to kind of get a little rough and rocky, you either start thinking to yourself, man, I'm gonna dump the dude, that's divorce, or you suppress everything and you keep it all in, 
and you become resentful, and you get depressed. And the majority of you are, are, are right here, some of you. Do, do, I'm just thinking about leaving the guy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave her, start over. This ain't worth it. Or you're just depressed because this, this isn't turning out like you thought it was going to turn out. I can't count how many people have said to me, Pastor Rick, my relationship to my husband or my wife is really getting me down. I'm just depressed. I, I don't know what to do. Man, it's amazing the change between stage one and stage two, isn't it? Now, you've basically got three options at this point. You've got three alternatives, if you will, at this point. You either break up, divorce, you, you break down, Get depressed, or you break through. You break through. Now, in America, most marriages never get past stage two. The average length of a marriage here in the United States of America is about eight years. That means they never get to stage three. They never break through. They go through the first stage, you know, everything is fantastic stage, and then they get stuck in the second stage. Man, I didn't sign up for this stage, and... Everything comes crashing down on them, so they either break up or break down, which means they never get to stage three. And stage three is the mature love stage. This is the, the deep satisfaction stage. And some of you are there now. And when I'm done here in a moment, I'm going to see a lot of heads shaking, just like I've seen a lot of heads shake at stage two. And I've seen a lot of heads shaking at stage one. 1 Corinthians 13 says this, love, real love is patient. That's how you make it to stage three, by the way. Love, real love is kind. Love doesn't envy. Love doesn't boast. Love is not proud. Love is not rude. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. Love isn't easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrong. In other words, love, real love, mature love, doesn't bury the hatchet and leave the handle sticking up. It keeps no record of wrong. Mature love, when it says, I forgive you, it's done. Real love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. Love never fails. Beloved, that's not puppy love, is it? That's not stage uh, uh, one love. That's not infatuation. That's not romanticism. That's a, a, a mature love. And the only way you pull that off is by having a deep relationship with Jesus Christ. You, you can't do that without walking close with the Lord. You, you, you have to have the power that raised Jesus Christ from the grave indwelling you. And I talked about that a few weeks ago. 
There's no way you're going to get here unless you have God's Spirit working within you. And you're walking with the Lord on a daily basis. You're getting up, spending time in His Word, spending time in prayer, whatever, whatever it might be. Now let me give you five characteristics that, that I, I think describe this stage, okay? Number one, mature love is, is tender. It's tender. It's tender. Mature love is is tender. It's tender. Isn't that a great word? Some of you need to do some research this week about what that word means. It's tender. there's There's a gentleness to it. You're you're gentle with your spouse. You're careful with each other's feelings. You're tender with each other's egos. You realize you're on the same team. Man, when they came down the the thing, and I do, and and you let go of some things, and now you're hanging on to each other, you're cleaving to one, one another, you became a part of the same team. And in stage one, absolutely you were part of the same team. Stage two comes around and something begins to happen. You don't see yourself on the same team anymore. You really want the other person to succeed. You long for your spouse to succeed. You long for them to be successful. You're tender. You're not judgmental with each other. You're not out to destroy each other. Man, I love that word tender. Number two, mature love is respectful. The word respect simply means to hold in high or special regard. Let me tell you something. Next to Jesus Christ, um, there is nobody that I hold in higher regard than my wife. She's a distant second to Jesus. But mature love as you look at your spouse and say, well, oh, I'm going to be tender with them and I respect them. I'm going to hold them in high regard. Number three, mature love is understanding. The only way you make it to stage three is to know the differences between you and your spouse. You have to, you have, to under, you know, have an understanding of those differences and, and then accept those differences. Re- recognize and realize that you and your spouse are never going to be alike, and that's okay. Because God didn't make any two people alike. We're all unique. So there's a tenderness and a respect, but there's also great understanding that your spouse is different than you. And different doesn't mean wrong or evil or wicked. It just means they're different. Listen, 
You know and understand your own temperament, right? You know all your faults, right? You know all the stupid things you do, right? You know all the stupid things you say, right? And you still accept yourself, right? (laughs) Though you know all these crazy things about yourself, you still accept yourself. Well, you need to do the same thing with your spouse's temperament your spouse's faults or whatever. You need to have understanding. That's mature love. Because in stage one, you don't don't see the differences. You really don't. Stage two then comes along and you start seeing them and there's just tension. But mature love, when you break through, wow, there's understanding. Then out of understanding comes number four, and that is mature love is secure. You're not threatened by disagreements. When an argument comes along, you don't get afraid and think, well, man, maybe our our marriage is dying. Maybe it's ending. No. You think to yourself, we've gone through too much together to let this slip away. We've had too many good experiences to let this current crisis or disagreement or whatever destroy our marriage. We have children together. Mature love has a security to it that says no matter what happens, we're going to make it. And this security comes from a total unreserved commitment to one another. You say, I'm committed to you regardless. And we've talked a lot about that almost every week. And let me say this, in my opinion, security is the one thing that revolutionizes a marriage because it revolutionizes everything in your marriage. You see, when you feel secure with your spouse, you'll share openly about whatever's going on in your life. You'll have open communication. But when you don't feel secure, all these D's start happening in your marriage or whatever, you don't feel secure anymore. And so, man, you just don't want to talk. You just kind of, because you're not secure. You don't know how that person's going to take it. Will they dump me? Will they walk out on me? When you feel secure with your spouse, you enjoy sex a lot more because you're not afraid of what your spouse thinks of your body. You see, what happens is we get older and these bodies of ours decay. They don't look like they, they once did in stage one. But when you're secure, you know that, you know what, my spouse loves me and is secure with me regardless of what I look like. And when your spouse doesn't feel secure, then you know what? They're not all that interested in in having a great sex life. Because they wonder, oh man, are they going to dump me? I don't don't look like I did when I was 20 or 21 or 22, you see. You're at home with each other's bodies because you're secure in each other's love. Number five, mature love is truthful, trusting you're open and honest with each other. You, you share with each other how you feel about things. You're, you're truthful, but you're tender. The Bible calls it speaking the truth in love. In love. And, and, and you know when someone's talking to you and they're doing it in love. You know when someone's sharing something with you and they're being tender with it. I, I deal with things every day. And I know when somebody in this great family called Big Valley Grace is sharing something with me 
and it's done in love, and they're tender with it. And I know when somebody's not, and so do you when you're conversing with your spouse, don't you? You know when they're being tender, they're speaking the truth in love. This is the stage that God wants you to break through to because it's here, it's at this final stage that you, you find ultimate fulfillment. This is where real satisfaction comes from. And those that are in stage three will say, yeah, stage one was unbelievable, whoa! And it was fantastic. You know, stage two, a little bumpy, a little rough, but wow, there is nothing like getting to stage three. A mature love, a, a deep satisfaction with the one that you said I do to. The one that you became one with. Now if you take the, the first letter of each of those words, tender, respectful, understanding, secure, and truthful, trusting, they spell the word trust. You see that? Because the only way you can make it to stage three in a marriage is through mutual trust. You have to trust each other. And if there's no tenderness, there's no respect, there's no understanding, no security, there certainly isn't going to be any trust, is there? And the good news is, is that you could begin, some of you, to live out some of these things. So how do you get there? How do you survive stage two so you can make it and thrive in stage three? Or how do you get back to stage three if you were there and now you find yourself at stage two? Because listen, this is what will happen. Um, I was talking with a, a family the other day, married, I don't know, 40 something years, and they're in the mature love stage. And they had a, a child who died, an adult child who died. And that's not the way God planned it out. Kids aren't supposed to go before moms and dads. That's just not the way it's supposed to work. And so they lose a child, and that stress, boom, shot them right back into stage two. And I'll bet that probably happens to most of us. You're in that deep satisfaction stage, and then something stressful comes up, something comes up, and boom, you're shot right back up there, and you got all those Ds you're dealing around with, you know, and... What do you do if you were at three, now you're at two, how do I get back there? Let me, let me give you a couple thoughts. I'm going to give you three things. Or if you're at two right now, how do you get to three? A couple thoughts. Number one, you've got to open up. Our brother James says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that God can heal you. God says you want healing in your marriage? Yet, yet stage two, lots of trouble, thinking about breaking up. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. Beloved, this is the starting point to getting out of stage two and getting into stage three. I know a, a lot of relationships that need to be healed. Maybe yours needs to be healed. And the healing process always begins with confession and prayer. You gotta open up and be honest about what's going on in your life. You gotta have an honest you know, communication with your spouse if you're ever gonna make it to stage three. You gotta be man enough or woman enough to admit you're part of the problem. 
You got to face the issues and talk about them. You got to share your feelings and be honest with your spouse. Quit pretending and concealing, you know, what's in your heart. Now, sometimes you need to talk with a professional. You have to go in because the, the stage two was so brutal, you need to go in and have a, a third party there who can help you get here. Sometimes it's with a pastor. Sometimes it's with an elder, a spiritual leader of the church. Where you can say, okay, I can feel safe with that guy or that gal, whatever it is, because stage two was so brutal, I don't want to open up. You have to stop being defensive. You have to re accept responsibility for your part in the marriage. You've got to accept responsibility to make the marriage work. And it takes a, a lot of listening and a lot of leveling, gut to gut, to make it to stage three. If you conceal what's in your heart, you're never going to make it to stage three. Never. But if you confess to each other, you, you open up, man, I'll tell you, great things happen. Incredible things happen. Number two, you got to give up. You got to give up all those ways of reacting that don't work. Yes, there are going to come some bumpy moments in stage two, but you got to give up some of those, those things that you do that just don't help. Those attitudes and responses that heighten the tension rather than reduce the tension. In fact, let me give you a few of them. See if any of these fit. You got to give up the silent treatment. That doesn't work. Hey, is there anything wrong? No. Are you sure? Yeah. Really, there's nothing wrong? Nothing's wrong. I just want to pout and sulk. <laughs> the, the silent treatment isn't going to make your marriage better. You got to give it up. B, you got to give up the threatening to walk out treatment. If you don't do what I say, just, just watch what will happen. The hidden, veiled references that really aren't all that veiled. Give that up. That's not going to help your marriage. That's not going to help you get out of stage two. You got to give up the sarcasm and the ridicule treatment. And let me tell you why. You need to give it up because it doesn't build your marriage. It just makes you seem stupid and insensitive. Wow. He cuts right to the chase. Yeah. Listen, when, when, when you have that treatment, the sarcasm and the ridicule, it really does just make you look really stupid and childish. And it doesn't help your marriage. That'll keep you stuck in stage two. D, you got to give up the blaming the other person treatment. Beloved, as long as you spend all your time trying to fix the blame on your spouse, you can't fix the problem because all your juice is given to fixing the blame. You got to decide, what do I want in my marriage? Do I want to fix the problem or do I want to fix the blame? E, you got to give up the trying to change your partner treatment. All just... Improve them because then I'll have a new and improved hubby or a new and improved wife. I'll just make them into the image of me. <laughs> Don't try to change your spouse. It doesn't help your marriage, okay? 
Because what you do is, is you try to literally make them into the image of you. Because you think you're so great. I know. It doesn't help. They're made in the image of God. And you're not going to get out of stage two if you're always trying to change your husband or change your wife. Because let me tell you what you do subconsciously. You're trying to change them into your image. So first you open up, then you give up, and finally number three, this is the key, you got to grow up. The greatest need in your marriage is maturity. If you're in stage one, praise the Lord for you. You need maturity. If you're in stage two, let me tell you something. You need maturity. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 8, For God knew His people in advance, and He chose them to become like His Son. That's God's will for your life, that you become more and more like Jesus Christ. You're never going to be Jesus Christ, but God desires that you would become more and more like Him. And let me tell you something, I've never met a couple who was deepening their relationship with God. They, they, were, they were growing up in their faith who ended up divorcing. Never. It doesn't happen. You show me two couples that are committed to growing up, and I'll show you a marriage that's going to make its way out of, out of stage one. They're going to get to stage two. It'll be a little bumpy, but you know what? They'll get through it. And they'll probably get to stage three quicker than most, as long as they keep deepening their walk with the Lord through getting up early in the morning and praying, spending time in the Word of God reading it, spending time getting involved in a local church family, coming to men's ministries, going to women's ministries, getting involved in a, in a home group. Look, I don't know where you're at right now in your marriage. But in just a moment, we have a, an altar room here in our main auditorium and over in the, the venue, we've got one right off to the side also. And in there will be the pastors and the, and the elders of our church. Some of you are in stage one and you need to go in and say, hey, will you pray for me? I'm in stage one. And the prayer is, um, I want to be here as long as I can. That's a good prayer. Nothing wrong with that prayer. Some of you are at stage two, and man, there's, it's pretty rocky. And you heard from the Lord today. You've got some understanding, some wisdom today. You need to go in and say, look, I'm at stage two with my spouse right now. In fact, my spouse isn't even here. Maybe they are here. Go in together and say, pray for us. We need to grow up. We're, we're, and let us just pray for you. Some of you are in stage three. You're at that mature love stage, that deep satisfaction stage. You need to go in and, and pray and ask for prayer that, that God would protect you and keep you there because it doesn't take much to bounce you back into stage two. So it doesn't matter where you're at, what stage you're at. The spiritual leaders of our church would love to pray for you in the altar room, whether it's in here or over in the venue.